Warning, this show has been known to cause certain side effects in listeners and participants alike. Symptoms include a positive outlook on life, wanting to try new things, and a renewed faith in humanity. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey there, and welcome to the I Like to Like Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and thanks for joining me. I don't think I have to tell you that the world can be a dark and scary place for us all, and I'm here to help you get through the miasma of that negativity one episode at a time. Now, to accomplish this, I have a guest tell me about their favorite thing, and we get to share in their enthusiasm. Now, the catch is I'm not already a fan of their thing. However, I've learned that it's easy to like something as long as I had an excited person explaining why it was great. And so this podcast and all its potential positive feelings is born from that. And for today's episode, we have Charlie from the Crime Lines podcast and Rusty Hinges. Charlie, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you're one of my newest pod friends, and I was so excited when you said yes uh, to to coming on the show. I was really excited. Yeah, we just met. We just met a few weeks ago, so that's kind of fun to be on your show already. Already, right? I know. That's you know. That's the impression you made on Elisa and I. We just loved you so much. When I, when, when I told her what your thing was and and that you were coming on, she was super stoked for it. So, uh, but can you tell everybody about uh, your projects? Yeah. So I host a podcast called Crime Lines. It's a true crime podcast. I, it's a general true crime podcast where there's no real niche to it except that I bring in more cultural and societal and historic context to cases, even things from. You know, I covered a case in the 1990s where a mom being on welfare became almost a central part of a case, which seems, you know, a little ludicrous now. But we're talking, you know, when Bill Clinton was campaigning on welfare reform. And so I bring those things in so that people will understand the full context of a case as it's being presented and not just listening to hear some interesting story. This is you know, real life and things impact it that we don't always know about or think about. And so I try to bring those in. The other podcast I write for is Rusty Hinges. It's hosted by someone else, but it is a history slash true crime slash mystery podcast. We cover hoaxes. It is more on the light side. It's a lot more humor in it. Or we try. I mean, we try for humor, but, you know, some of it lands, some of it doesn't. I always think of true crime humor as gallows humor on some level. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. the uh, And, of course, we we met each other through Josh who, who Hallmark, who was on our Real Housewives episode. Um, and, of course, he runs yes. he runs True Crime BS. And uh, mm-hmm. what, what a... And I remember when we met, uh, Josh had said that you, that you and me were going to be the people at his birthday party that everyone was going to make a deep connection to. And when he told us that afterwards, it was so funny. Uh, and it was it was true though. Yeah. It was so true. When you say niche, you you were saying that your your podcast doesn't operate inside a, a certain niche. What do you mean by that? Because like, are there, like, you just, I, 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 that doesn't... Yeah, I'll cover anything. Some true crime podcasts, especially if you're getting started now where there's so many podcasts and you're trying to stand out in the genre, mm-hmm. they will focus on something specific. So, you know, we have The Vanished, which focuses only on missing persons cases. 
Gotcha. Uh, the fault okay. line only covers cases of underrepresented populations. You know, a lot of people only do unsolved. Some people will only do solved cases. Court Junkie only does court cases. I cover any case that I think I can bring something to it that's not already out there. Or it's a case where everything, you know, maybe I don't have anything new to bring, but it's a case that's just not gotten enough attention. I cover missing and murdered indigenous women pretty regularly. A lot of those cases have not gotten nearly enough attention. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot more sense because now when I when I look at the um, when I look at the different uh, shows, now that makes a lot more sense. Now that I see now that I see the names and what they're focusing on. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. I learned something already. Now, I want to continue this learning journey. Yeah. <laughs> I want to continue this learning journey by knowing what your thing is. So, Charlie, my newest pod friend, what is your thing? So, my thing is... Hosting three-course dinner parties, which seems very niche. <laughs> it, it, it was... Very specific. It was so, it brought so much joy to me when you said that because we'd actually gone back and forth a few times. Um, and I know, I, I know because Josh had, had, had messaged me, said, Hey, I mentioned that you, I mentioned to Charlie that you should be on the show, that she should be on the show. And, but like, she's not quite sure what her thing should be. And that when you brought this to me after we'd gone back and forth a few times, it's just like, Yes, no, this is perfect. The more niche, the better. And like, you, like I was right. so excited. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, is this something you've been doing for a long time? Is this something that you've like recently picked up? This is a recent, fairly recent development. I have always hosted big parties at my house. Mm -hmm. um, everybody's invited. Lots of appetizer foods from Costco spread throughout the kitchen and dining room. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, you know, like very similar to the amount of people like at Josh's party, but like all in my house. And wow. so it would be, you know, right now. So I used to do these really big parties and then 2020 happened. Right. And I know. those were a no go. You couldn't have. I mean, our city put in gathering restrictions um, for a while. They don't have them anymore, but I still want to be safe and, and responsible and not infect my friends with anything. And so not only were like big parties just a no-go, the idea of letting people just serve themselves at, like buffet style out of communal plates just mm -hmm. wasn't really a great idea when we're trying to keep an infectious disease at bay. Absolutely. And so yeah. starting in 2021, I actually realized that that not doing my thing, which was hosting parties, was really hard on my mental health in 2020. I mean, Absolutely. a lot of things were hard on my health, of course. health in 2020, yeah. but that was something that I realized was pretty big and I had no replacement for it. So starting in spring 2021, I did decide to do a small party for my birthday, which was in April. And I invited a few friends. Um, it was actually, it was me, my husband, and then three couples who we tend to do things with. And I thought, okay, well, we can't do buffet food, so we're going to do plated food. And now I have to come up with a menu. And I have to come up with some dinner that I'm going to provide for people. And it ended up being so much more fun than 
in the planning phase than the big parties. The big party is a trip to Costco, throw everything out, have everyone come over, and and that's great. But being able to be so much more intentional in what I was providing for my guests Mm -hmm. at this party was a lot of fun. And so I had a lot more fun planning it than planning the big parties. And then being a smaller party, we all just talked to each other versus trying to mingle, talking to everyone for five minutes, but not really feeling like I talked to anybody. So it actually ended up becoming something that was replacing something else and was supposed to be, uh, well, until we can do big parties again. But now it's kind of become the thing. And I I think we're going to just carry this over. Even if we still bring it back, the big parties, we will still be doing these. And thankfully, we have a very nice deck. It's a a large deck. It takes up way too much of our yard, (laughs) but um, it's perfect when you're trying to do a dinner party out there. Right. Uh, So this actually ended up becoming like, it's like that necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing where like you wanted something, you adapted, and it became something even more that you enjoyed. I, I like that serendipitous. I love those. Yeah. Yeah. I I a hundred. Yeah. It really worked out. I a hundred percent can um can absolutely relate because we we had when we moved into our new house a few years ago we we moved from a very small house from when we had um, infants into a much larger house with a lot more space on acreage and like we had set out to build and like maintain like a house where everyone could come and have the big parties, where we knew that we could always have all of our kids' friends mm-hmm. over. And it was something um, that was very dear to us. It was something that was was important uh, for us to, to celebrate and, and have a good time and have everybody over. It was something that Elise and I really uh, loved doing. And then, of course, same thing. I finished, I finished this giant swing set that I built for our girls that could have adults on it too. Like it, it holds up to 500 pounds each mm-hmm. seat, like so that everybody could have a good time. Like I finished that right. Uh, I finished that March of 2020. <laughs> so like I was like, okay, yeah, cool, yeah. we're ready, <laughs> we're ready. We can have like this is like and also it doubled as a uh, as a I because everything was on um, clips, so I could take it off and it could be a huge screen for outdoor movies. And everything. So like it was like this huge like mm-hmm. centerpiece thing that I had built. And uh, anyway, yeah. And then 2020 hit. So I totally get it. Uh, so so when you, I, I, your Costco parties sound exactly like my family's big get-togethers too. That brings me a lot of joy because yeah. like I loved those. Like oh, we get the because uh, <laughs> like my my mom especially would love. There was this like coconut cake, this coconut white cake from Costco that she just absolutely mm-hmm. adored. And uh, anyway, it just brings back a lot of good memories. Now, when you, what made you decide on it being like the three course? Like, uh, what was that? Like, was that something you'd come up with or just something that like you settled on? Or how did that come, come to be? It really came out of the idea of, I wanted to, so the other thing, you know, with the big Costco layout is I tell people I'm like come to my party I only have appetizers and desserts but nobody eats dinner before because they know I'm going to have a lot of appetizers and desserts (laughs) they know they're going to come and they're going to get filled up and when you're plating other people's food I'm like 
am I really just going to put like a piece of meat and some vegetables on a plate and be like, thanks for coming? Like, I just, <laughs> it didn't fit with the way the big parties were. The big parties had the savory and the sweet and you kind of went back and forth or you went through them in order. You did your thing. And now I needed to translate that to plated food. And so the way to do that that just made a lot of sense was to do an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. And so that's really how it came about. And it worked really well because one of the things we do, my husband and I and some of the friends that do the dinner parties with us are into craft cocktails and like into craft cocktails. And I don't mean that like we sit there chugging alcohol. I mean, we we talk about the, you know, the under nodes and we talk about how things go together and how you can take a standard cocktail and twist it to make it something new. We're very into the conversation around it too. So we decided that we would do pairings with it. So every course has a drink pairing and we make it so, I mean, even with food over the course of a few hours, for some people, three cocktails (laughs) can be, yes. Um, Especially if they're, they're strong cocktails right right, right. you know so after three some people are like that was too (laughs) much so we will do half servings of cocktails so that everybody gets to sample everything we don't want anyone to feel like oh well i just have to skip this drink so we kind of ask people what they want uh, and we make them as we go but we do usually so we've done it two different ways so far because we've done this in the spring and the summer and actually our autumn dinner is this weekend so i will i will let you know all about our menu for that but for spring and summer the spring one we did pairings that i chose because it was my birthday so i got to pick and then for the summer one we did have a short menu they were basically It was basically three base cocktails, but there were some variations on one of them that people could choose from. And then people could just kind of pick what they wanted. We were able to do that because that dinner party was me and some girlfriends and my husband, who is our is the bartender of the couple. He wasn't at that party like he was there, obviously, but he was making drinks and bringing them to us. So he didn't have to. You know, you don't ever want you or whoever's making the food or the drink to not get to enjoy the party because they're busy in the kitchen. You never want that. So one of the good things with picking three pre-planned drinks is that he can have everything prepped for them and he just has to go mix them. And then he mixes them and then he can come out and enjoy the party. And he's not just stuck there making drinks to order the whole time. So it's definitely... That's definitely a plus of having set drinks. I love that idea of the, the pairing. Because, like, we've heard of, I mean, growing up, of course, you always hear about, like, the wine pairings. But that's usually just with the, the meal itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've done a yes. few cocktail episodes on the show. We did a, a Manhattan episode, and then we did an Old Fashioned episode. Mm-hmm. Both of those were fantastic. Old Fashioned's now have become, like, a standard um, a, 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 like a standard, like quick cocktail, uh, for us to make. So we always yeah, have those. They are for us. That's kind of our. That's one of our go-to's. Yeah, it's so great. We don't. Okay, so I would highly recommend listening to that episode. Uh, that's with our friend Jason, and he yeah. he kind of changes it a little bit. Um, uh, he does uh, a lemon twist and an orange twist 
in there, uh, the smell is intoxicating. It's it's absolutely fantastic. But when we talked about the cocktails, and this definitely like leads into how you were talking about with conversation, is is that when you're having these type of like set menu type things or these these cocktails too, which of course I know we're gonna talk about food, which is one of my favorite things in the whole world. But uh, is that like <laughs> it evokes um, it evokes this memory of like speakeasies or the 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 mm-hmm. the time before so much uh, different type of media we could consume. These are the type of conversations and the type of uh, social lubricant that, that we would have uh, that our that our grandparents and great grandparents and great great grandparents would have around like the dinner table uh, or outside, like you said, on a deck. And it's um, there's a romanticism to it. There's mm-hmm. a, a cultured feeling to it, and, uh, and 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 knowing that someone put a lot of thought and care to it is the type of party that I like to go to as well, especially as an adult now. Um, just like, oh, this right. uh, people that know Elise and I is that we are absolute planners. We love to plan. So like when you were saying that the thought process that you put into it was m- almost just as fun as the party itself, that is something that speaks to Elise and I on mm-hmm. a very, very deep and personal level. We love planning. Uh, we've been planning, yeah. uh, a, like when we plan a vacation, like we, we, we have like everything is played out and we call it maxim- maximizing the fun. And like, we have a great time and we can cut loose too, but mm-hmm. we find, and I, I I'm, sh- I'm going to ask you this too. Do you find that the planning portion allows you to have more fun later? Is that how you feel about it? You, with, with these types of parties, you absolutely have to the planning the planning itself right. is fun but you are not going to enjoy the party if you're trying to wing it if you're trying to just be like okay well this will be fine you have to be so and i think it's the i'm kind of in the point in my life where everything doesn't have to be so fast and so quick and that the intention in things is becoming more meaningful to me so having to just plan out okay, what can I prep now so that I can throw this together and bring it out real fast so I'm not stuck in the kitchen? I don't want to be reheating things. I don't want to, you know, just feel like I've lost the chance to, to do it. But I also don't want my guests to feel guilty. That's something that I think a lot of times we do feel if we're at something and the person is is anxious about it if they're anxious about it and they're wondering okay is everything okay oh my gosh i have to do this and they're frazzled then we feel bad like we added to their stress we didn't that's not enjoyable for anyone so the planning ahead lets me make sure that the night is fun for me and then it's also not stressful for my guests to see me running around with plates all the time right yeah and um there is i there is something about like this way that like the the old school parents would just work during dinner. Like there was no joy for mm-hmm. the mom. Yes. Or if you know, like if we go back to to, to the like quote unquote traditional roles at these type of, of situations where the mom's just not doing anything but cooking. That's it. Or vice versa, like the dad would only be at the grill doing nothing mm-hmm. else but grilling. And um, the idea of either planning ahead and having it ready to go or the shared duties that you have too um, is is so, so good. Mm-hmm. And it's so yeah. much more evolved. <laughs> it's so much more evolved, yeah. 
the uh, when you're planning it during a certain season, are you taking into account like seasonal uh, it, it, like ingredients, or or is it just what sounds good at the time? We've done the ones we've done this year. Now we may change it next year just because we've done it, but what we've done this year has been 100% seasonal, and that is a very easy way. And if you want to get into a three course dinner party and you don't know what to do, just say, okay, what season is it? What would I want? What do you eat during the season? So I definitely think that taking the season into account is an easy way to do it. It's what we've done this year and we'll do it kind of through this year. Next year, maybe we'll change it just because we've already done spring, but it's not like there's only one spring menu. You can always do something else. So, you know, this year for the the autumn dinner, we're definitely doing pumpkin, cranberry, apples, that kind of thing. Um, Roasted root vegetables, probably um, turkey tenderloin, I think will be like the entree with the roasted Mm. vegetables. So, you know, I'm definitely taking that into account. But, you know, when you're talking fall, you also think back to school. You could do a lot of really fun things with like a school lunch (laughs) theme but t- take everything up a notch so that it's a dinner. <laughs> That's you know? so smart. You can do a dessert that has peanut butter and jelly uh-huh. in it. You know, a peanut butter and jelly dinner would, or like dessert would oh, be yeah. delicious, but it doesn't have to be literally serving peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Just take those ideas from the season, from what's going on right in the world right now. Just pick something that isn't depressing. Good luck, but you can figure something out and just kind of bring that in. But you know, the, as soon as it was like in, you know, fall, I was like, well, we're definitely doing pumpkin, cranberry, apple, because I just love all of those flavors. flavors. And they're just, I mean, I, th- I feel like fall of any season, fall flavors are something that someone tastes it and they say this tastes like fall. Like you don't say this tastes like spring very no. often, but fall has such, because of the holidays and the and Halloween, it just has such a very specific flavor, and I'm so excited. Yeah, because when that. I think of spring, I don't. On living in Southern California, it, there's always something growing, you know. So, so mm-hmm. for us, yeah, you're right. Like it's only just like fresh ingredients is always what I just think about. Like summer, I think uh, I think watermelon. Uh, watermelon and grilled meats. That's that's what I think mm-hmm. during and uh, during summer. Yeah. But yeah, fall is so specific in its flavors, and I think that's interesting because mm-hmm. across the states, especially where you have such a diversity in terms of what the weather looks like. Like you have like like me, it's dry and warm during yes. the fall in Southern California. Then you go to like somewhere in like Florida, it's mm-hmm. tropical, you know, like it's wet and warm. And then, but then you'll be in right. October in, in, in the, in Maine and it's already frozen over at some points, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. but like those flavors across the board yeah. uh, do stick. I love the flavor of, of a pumpkin pie and a pumpkin soup. I love a good pumpkin soup. Elise makes a crazy mm-hmm. good pumpkin soup. I'm a big pecan pie guy. Yeah, we're doing. We're actually doing pumpkin soup with an apple cranberry Ooh. relish for the first course. Because I was like, "Well, we got to do a pumpkin soup." But that was the easiest decision. Oh, that of course. Like the decision's already made. So, what is on the menu for the fall, uh, the fall dinner party? What what is this? What is this looking like? Yeah, so we're gonna start with a pumpkin soup that has the cran apple relish. It's craisins, apple apple and um 
you know, I, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm going to do craisins. I'm using fresh cranberries for something else, but so it's apple craisins and onions mm-hmm. in the relish with a little bit of seasoning and you just put it on top of the pumpkin soup and I make a pretty traditional pumpkin soup. I don't go too crazy with that. I've tried some different recipes, but I find that, you know, I've tried a pumpkin apple one that was very good, but I find that I just really like the just standard pumpkin mm-hmm. soup. Um, then for the main dish, we are going to do a cranberry glazed turkey tenderloin, which a turkey tenderloin is just a boneless, skinless right. turkey breast. I went back and forth on this. I had a lot of other ideas. I wanted to do like, you know, ribs. I wanted to be like, okay, it's our last time, you know, maybe we could grill something because it's kind of, you know, me- Kansas City in October is like 40 degrees or it's 90 <laughs> degrees and not not a lot of you know a lot of times it can it can be anywhere it can right. be anywhere so I mean we're still grilling out some nights and some nights we're eating chili it's can be anywhere but I decided turkey is again such a holiday dish it's a you know it's a flavor that says fall and it's also very easy because I can do this in a slow cooker. I can do it low temps in the oven if I wanted. And I'm not sitting there having to, you know, really cook. So if I'm grilling, then I'm doing that instead of enjoying time with my guests. Right. So and, and you're, I decided to go ahead and do something I could do in the slow cooker. Isn't the slow cooker just the greatest thing? We have we have our slow cooker and our Instapot. It is. Insta- and um, both of those, uh, mm-hmm. Elise uses the Instant Pot yeah. more than I do. I'm a big slow cooker guy, but like you're, you're obviously living in Kansas City. That's a big, that's a big meat town. That's a big barbecue town, and I love Kansas City barbecue. Yes. So, uh, yes. yeah, gosh, I, now I'm thinking like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of barbecue. Yeah, um, Bakersfield, where I live, is a big barbecue town as well. Everything we do is called Santa Maria style mm-hmm. uh, barbecue. Is everything down in this area Santa Maria style mm-hmm. barbecue? And uh, it's, um, but yeah. And now I'm thinking like, oh, a cranberry glazed, um, cranberry glazed r- rack of ribs would be would be very tasty. Now that you you say it, the uh, when you're coming up with the menu items, are you coming up with it uh, from something that you've read? Are you coming up with it off the top of your head, or is it kind of a mix of both? And then I, a dessert obviously is coming up, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's kind of a mix of, you know, what do I think of when, so like the summer one, I'm like, what do I think of when I think of summer dinners? And I think Mm. cold. I think it is hot out. We don't want to be sitting there with the oven on. So we ended up doing gazpacho for the first course. Um, I did a salad with, it had beets, goat cheese, candied walnuts, and... Um, a grilled chicken was served with the salad. So it was basically like, you know, nice portion of grilled chicken with a real a salad that had a, you know, it was pretty hearty with the beets and the goat cheese in it. And I made a tomato vinaigrette for the salad. So that would kind of throw back to the gazpacho course. And then just for dessert, we just did fresh fruit with, I made whipped cream, but with very little sugar. And I used whipping cream and cream cheese and whipped that up together with the fruit because the fruit's already sweet enough and so we just did all like cold foods so you know i the gazpacho and the fruit obviously you don't need 
the internet to tell you to serve those when you're wanting cold foods. But as far as like the main course, I did Google cold dishes right. or <laughs> and I got a lot of salads back and I was like, I don't want to serve everybody just a salad. But then I found this, you know, this a very specific salad that I thought, okay, this sounds like with a with grilled chicken sounds very good and then i decided to use the tomato vinaigrette which was easy enough to make and so yeah so it's kind of a mix with the autumn dinner i knew the first course was going to be soup because it's autumn i actually considered doing soup as the main course and then kind of build around that just because of you know that's what fall weather's for is soup <laughs> but then i decided to go with something more substantial for the entree. But, you know, so I kind of, you know, I don't always serve soup as the first course. The spring dinner, we did charcuterie boards and every couple got their own board. Um, So we did that for the spring dinner. So I don't always do soup, but soup is just such an easy first course and, and I like soup, so it works out. But yeah, so I mean, it's kind of a mix. I would go the entree is the one thing that I tend to go back and forth with a lot because it seems like the desserts, like, you know, the spring one was my birthday. So we did cupcakes that we got at a fancy bakery. I didn't even make those. Summer, it's like there's fresh fruit everywhere. Let's do that. For a fall dinner, we're doing a pumpkin roll, you know, where uh, it's basically you make a pumpkin right. bread on a jelly roll and the and it's rolled with uh, like a cream Absolutely. cheese frosting Absolutely, those in the are middle. amazing. Um, so, right, it's like the greatest dessert because I didn't want to do a pie. I was like, eh, I don't want to do pie. So we're going to do the pumpkin roll. It's almost always the entree that makes me, takes me a little while to come up with. But once I decided I was doing a cranberry glazed something and I decided on the turkey tenderloin and then I'll just roast some, you know, potatoes, carrots, I'm not sure, whatever else I whatever else they have at the grocery store when I go get it because uh, supply chain issues. Sometimes I can't get a specific vegetable that I want because it's just not there. But whatever I can get, I probably do a winter squash, um, butternut, acorn squash. I haven't really decided. But I'm just going to grab some, you know, hearty vegetables that you eat in the fall and do the roast vegetables on the side. And then, like I said, the pumpkin roll for dessert. And we, but we haven't, the one thing we haven't done is decide on our drinks yet. So that one's, <laughs> that one's. That's the be. icing on the proverbial cake. Yeah. You could not have said more buzzwords for Elise um, to enjoy this episode than I, I then I love <laughs> soup. And uh, because I have never met yeah. a human being that loves soup as much as her. Like if she, I, I've asked her, like, if you could just eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? And she said, oh, chicken noodle soup, and then made this specific way. But, like, chicken noodle soup, she could eat it She could eat it 24-7, yeah. hot, cold, doesn't matter. It's, she's eating that <laughs> hot soup. and yeah. uh, But she makes some killer soups. She was, uh, you were talking about, I was going to ask, did you add any butternut squash mm-hmm. to your pumpkin soup, or was it just going to be straight pumpkin? I think it's going to be straight pumpkin. And le- you know what? If... Have Elise send me a recipe for like, like a. I will make her pumpkin soup. <laughs> Let's do this. This will be a trade. A trade. This will be transactional. You have to try my thing. I will try her pumpkin soup. So have her pick a recipe and send it, and I'll make her, that. One. Uh, she'll she'll probably send you because she doesn't make the pumpkin soup. She makes a uh, she makes a tomato bisque that's killer. 
um, her pea soup is to die for. Mm. Um, and then she, uh, she her she, she just makes a ton of different types of soups is what she makes. But I actually funny thing is the last time we made a, a like a, a, a some type of like gourd soup. I made I made it. It was a butternut squash soup. <laughs> That's so funny. I usually don't make soups. That's so nice. funny. Um, the other thing that I love that you said was beets. Uh, beets are so controversial, um, which is funny. Mm -hmm. if, if a food could be controversial, beets are one of them. <laughs> because I absolutely adore yes. beets um, in all their forms. I like them pickled. I like them mm -hmm. uh, roasted. Uh, Lisa's work is based in Montana. And their beets are huge in the city where her headquarters are at. And uh, But they roast mm -hmm. them like potatoes. Um, and then you, they do a hash with them. Um, so... Um, beets and, and goat cheese go so well together. She's allergic to walnuts, so we usually do almonds. But um, yeah, beet, uh, beet mm -hmm. and goat cheese, uh, uh, any type of thing, that combination for her is, is her, her absolute favorite. Yeah. Um, so w when you're going to be looking at for the cocktails, like what are some of the ones that you are going back and forth? Are you going to do... A fall theme for those so maybe something more like warmer yes. it's probably going to be something more warmer like honestly the first thing i could think of was a more pumpkin forward white russian that was just the first thing that came to my mind obviously that's just whatever yeah, that's, yeah that is that's on our list so you know for those who don't know a white russian is basically vodka and coffee liqueur and you add a little bit of cream that's what makes it the the white the white russian most people use kalua um i like there's a coffee liqueur who makes it it's i think it's called xo anyway it is it is much better than um kalua but anyway they're a, a, one of the ways to do a twist on a white russian is do the vodka the coffee liqueur and then change the cream for a cream like liqueur so um they mozart makes a chocolate pumpkin mm. spice liqueur and you can use that in place of the cream and that just kind of gives it the the pumpkin spice now that is a very dessert right. drink it is a very Obviously, sweet drink yeah. and we so we already have another sweet drink so we're kind of on the fence lars wants to do a hot buttered rum so like a, so a hot drink so a hot buttered rum with a pumpkin roll just sounds really good whereas the white russian with the pumpkin spice with a pumpkin roll sounds like a little too mm, much you yeah. know so you, i mean it's always you always need to kind of balance it things don't have to necessarily immediately complement it but you don't want things to kind of compete too much or be too much of one thing and then it's overpowering you know, for our spring dinner, we did all gin right, drinks. So, yeah. And so that's something you mentioned beets being kind of, beets are a little controversial. Not everyone likes them. That's another thing that you want to keep in mind with the food, but especially the cocktails is you want it to be accessible. You don't want people to take, you don't want to give someone scotch neat and be like, here's your oh, right. drink. You know, not everyone can drink that. You want it to be accessible and also fun and maybe even challenging a little bit like so you know we did a blueberry lemonade with gin in it we did empress gin which is purple so it looked beautiful but then we muddled basil in it and garnished with a basil leaf so it got a little bit more of like an earthy taste to it and it really went well with the botanicals in the gin and so you know that that would have like challenged people a little bit but then we also did a cherry gin sour which is 
not a challenging drink. Anyone could drink that. You know, it's not it's not hard drink. So it's kind of a balance with that. So hot buttered rum is pretty accessible. You know, tequila, most rum, most vodka drinks, they're, they're not too overpowering. But we will probably, I want to do an old fashioned, but again, never serving anything like like the straight recipe, the twist would be um, using a toasted pecan, making a toasted pecan old fashioned. There are like, there are two ways to do it. One is just to substitute your simple syrup with a toasted pecan flavored syrup. You can make it yourself or you can just buy it. I think like coffee places have it, but you can also use toasted pecans and then steep put them in your whiskey for two or three days and then it basically flavors your whiskey and then you use that um that we had a drink like that in savannah and it was very good and it was very on on theme for fall and so i do i think we'll probably do that that might be the challenge drink just because it's a whiskey or probably a bourbon for us but my um Two of the friends who are coming are our cocktail bar partners. Like, we go to these places. <laughs> they like challenging right. drinks. The other guests are are cut more new to it. So a bourbon old-fashioned would kind of be a, a challenge drink for them, where it's like, try something new. Uh, and if people don't like what we make, we definitely don't force them to drink it but we do try to make things an old-fashioned especially a sweet one is pretty accessible i think i don't know sometimes it's hard when you're into something like someone will drink a wine and they're like this is amazing and they give it to me and i'm like this is disgusting (laughs) because i i can't i don't have a palate for fine wine (laughs) i have a palate for cheap wine and so you know i so i understand it like on our side that we're the experienced ones and you know, someone will give me an IPA and be like, oh, it's super Ugh. hoppy. And I'm like, I have no idea what no. that means. And I take a sip and I'm like, oh, now that I know what it means. Salt. You know, it and means. so it's, you know, you just kind of get, you get, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get a taste for things. And, you know, this is kind of our taste for things is the different cocktails. So, you know, but like I said, you have to make it accessible for your guests. No one likes to go to a party where the food, they don't like the food, no matter how well prepared it is. They don't like the food and they don't like the drinks. Nobody wants that for anybody. So um, we're definitely, you know, working on making sure the drinks are are things that people will enjoy. And one of the things is we always, if we try a new drink recipe for a party, we always try it first so ourselves. Smart. Because, so smart. I mean, yeah, we. I mean, we had that with the, with my the spring party there was a gin cocktail that we both were like oh man this is it just reading the ingredients this is perfect and we made it and neither one of us liked it it was not it wasn't like it just didn't go together the way it sounded in our heads at least and both of us agreed it's not like one of us was kind of on the fence both of us were like this just isn't it for us and I'm really glad we did that because, oh my gosh, imagine sitting there serving a drink to your guests and you take a sip and you're like, oh God, this is gross. Like, <laughs> you don't want to do that. And so I was really glad that we, uh, really glad we tried it ahead of time. It's so interesting that uh, 
I, I really appreciate that you're thinking about your quote unquote, your audience, your, your guests too, because there is something mm-hmm. to be said, like when you're just, it was you and your, you know, it's just you or your partner or any, or, you know, you know what each other likes right off the bat. That's just, that's one of the benefits of being a, right. in a partnership. Um, and same thing, like with your kids and things, you know what your kids like, you know, it. so, but when you're having other people over to make this type of event, like there is, um, on some level, I'm sure you feel this way. There is an obligation to your guests to, to try and make sure that they're enjoying themselves mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I really appreciate that. Yes. It's so funny when you say something looks good on paper, the, the thing that always pops into my head and Elise will make fun of me for this is crab cakes. Uh, everything that goes into a crab cake mm-hmm. is, is supposed to be is basically everything I like about food in a crab cake. Like, I have mm-hmm. never once had a crab cake that I like. Um, I and, and I will. Tr- the joke is always if crab mm-hmm. cakes are on the menu, I always point them out. Oh, look, crab cakes! And so anyway, uh, inside joke for 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 couples. But uh, I I but like so but nothing in a crab cake is something that I, I I like everything in a crab cake have never had a crab cake that I have enjoyed and one day and so anyway anytime anyone says oh oh, I have the perfect one for you I eat it and I don't like it and it's really weird so uh yeah I was thinking yeah (laughs) and I was thinking about challenging cocktails uh something that like like Elise swears by this one time she had this olive oil martini and she absolutely mm-hmm. swears by it, and I have never been able to replicate it. So one of these days, I'm gonna have to try. And I, but same thing, like I try. I've I've yeah. read how you're <laughs> supposed to do it. I've I've read, you know, and I've tried to figure it out. Nope, does not uh, taste like olive oil, and, and not and not in a good way. Even though because olive oil is yeah. very tasty. Um, do you um, when you're making the the these cocktails that you're gonna be do you make them ahead of time or do you make them on the spot? Because I, I, I'm assuming that some of them you can, some of them you can't. Yeah, so I definitely recommend if people are kind of new to it, there is nothing wrong with making a pitcher right, drink. Right. Boathouse Punch is a gin one that is delicious. It's all fresh juices. Um, it's got some muddling in it. Like, it's pretty nice. It, it's it's great in a pitcher. But we, we tend to, we make them as we go, but... We definitely learned to tone down some of the perfectionist things. You know, we've like, so in the spring, we muddling is something you can't really do ahead of time. Right. That's meant to kind of bring out the oils and make things in the moment and they have to be used in the moment. Muddling takes time. (laughs) Muddling's not something that's quick when you're trying to get drinks out. So we definitely learned muddling, really fancy garnishes. You know, Lars will do drinks where he rims the glass with like graham cracker crumbs and then like toasts a marshmallow and puts that on a stick and like that's in the drink. And he's got all these really fancy, beautiful presentation ones that we can do when we have two right. of them, but we cannot do when we have eight, you know, when we're looking at a party of eight. And so definitely recommend using fresh ingredients because it just tastes better but you can prep them so you can juice all the oranges and lemons grapefruit if you're doing you know like palomas i'm a huge paloma person so we will do grapefruit and club soda to grapefruit juice and club soda to have a really fresh taste you can prep all of that in advance the rest of it is just having the bottles lined up on the 
on the counter so you can just grab them and do what you need to. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of prep you can do that is not mixing the drink that will get you miles ahead in time. So, and you know, I definitely like recommend skipping very complicated drinks. Lars and I have talked multiple times about doing a tiki party, but if you've ever made a tiki drink, they have a million <laughs> Right. And I think, you know, we'd definitely want to look at like, if we did a tiki party, we might do one mixed on the spot drink and then just figure out what we can do by the pitcher other than that. Because yeah, tiki, we love the flavors, but there's a lot of them. <laughs> and uh, it's just not something you can make for eight people on the spot with one, you know, one bartender. So we definitely have learned a lot. The first party, Lars spent more time making drinks than we had anticipated. And so I think we have it down this time where everything's going to be pretty ready to go. And he just has to like shake it up. We do have another friend who comes, our other cocktail person. He likes to bartend. He's also a slow bartender like Lars. So, but they can at least like each have a (laughs) and do the drinks together. So hopefully it'll, hopefully that'll work out and make it so that Lars isn't stuck in the kitchen too much. Uh, That actually was going to be my next question. Do you, um, not allow is the wrong word. Do you, uh, have people bring anything to to add to it or do you try and have everything ready to go for them do you basically like do you let people participate in the planning yeah it, it's it's so hard because my friends are like we should do it where like one person brings the appetizer one person does you like you do the entree because it's your house and you have the the oven yeah. right here and then someone brings the dessert that's but a I'm potluck like, that's, yeah, that's not a fun. potluck like that's not fun yeah. for me like part of the fun for me yeah that's a potluck like the part of the like i would do those in addition to these like i wouldn't mind a night where all i did was make the entree people bring things we sit on the deck we chat we eat sounds great like that but that sounds like my old parties where you know it was just like food that was out there like i i like the intention of doing this i like feeding people um josh was in kansas city once and there were a bunch of people in town that same weekend and so i was like well everybody come to my house for brunch and they're like well can i bring anything and i'm like no you can bring nothing and i had like like pans of you know breakfast very midwestern you know breakfast casserole baked french toast (laughs) with and without this with and without that i had you know coffee tea pastries eggs like i had everything and people are like oh this is too much you know oh we should have been we should have brought something and i'm like please don't bring like feeding you is my love language so let me just do it and so i like doing the whole thing myself and having it kind of match what i i have in my head you know we're gonna have i bought i actually own more cutting boards than anyone (laughs) because i like serving food on cutting boards it's a very cute way to Uh serve food and so I own a lot of cutting boards for these dinner parties. <laughs> so I was like, I went on Amazon and bought a whole lot of cutting boards. So they made now I'm cutting my, and I'm counting the cutting boards we have. So one, two, we have seven. We have seven cutting boards. And I thought that was excessive. So <laughs> I don't. No, I have, I have 12, I have 12 cutting boards that are exclusively used for dinner parties. That's plates. so great. And then I have cutting boards I actually use. <laughs> And so I have like one, two, three, four, five, six. I have like six in the kitchen. They kind of have a spot they go in, but I need them right. all for different things. It's that makes important. me so happy. I I, <laughs> I have a lot of people to feed. Right. On a break. Yeah. And well, I think that's the other thing. The dinner parties are not that hard for me because 
I already feed eight to nine people a day. Well, actually, my oldest son just moved out. So I'm down to seven people I feed literally every day. And so having guests over i'm like it's the same amount of people i already know how to it's nothing for you right you're already a pro like this is this is this is not anything new to you (laughs) right um so so i love the idea of maybe starting off with something with like a pre-made uh like 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 a pre-made drink or something like that you talked about like a punch you know something to that effect Mm -hmm. so for somebody that's gonna do this for the first time what are some like tips that you would say for someone who wants to do this and and like maybe they're already you know obviously people are going to probably be doing this type of entertaining or probably going to be people that already know how to cook maybe have made a few drinks already but like what are Mm -hmm. some good starting tips for somebody that's going to do this for the first time Uh, the number one thing is don't over invite people there's kind of we kind of I have found as I've gotten older I have groups of friends and it always feels wrong to exclude right yes and so I feel like well I know all these people through book club I can't just invite three people from book club to something that's weird I can't invite just three podcasters (laughs) right Whatever the circle is, it feels weird to exclude people, but you just got, yeah, I mean, you just have to. There is no way you can do a a plated dinner party by yourself for more than, I would say, eight people. Right, that's such a good point. And I say that as someone who literally cooks for that many people a day. It's, you're just, it's just going to be too much. I would actually recommend if, if you're like completely new to entertaining and it's not something you do often i would say just invite one other couple over one a couple of friends maybe get a group of four total you know if you're if you're single invite three friends i mean that would be pretty good if you're doing you know we tend to invite couples just because that's who we hang out with Uh, you know you get your parent friends that's you know there are (laughs) right and so i definitely wouldn't go more than eight people total including yourself gosh it's so right and then you're definitely going to want to Pick things you can prep ahead of time. Um, charcuterie was so easy because you can prep those, wrap them in, um, you know, I had them mostly prepped and in the fridge. And so I could just pull them out. So cold foods are nice that way. Um, that And just prep as much ahead of time as you can. You don't want to be in the kitchen doing anything. And, you know, like I said before, it's just important to keep everything accessible. Um, don't try anything too out there, outrageous. Right. Um, try your new recipes ahead of time. You know, when I did the charcuterie boards, I really wanted something that was pate-like. But I know, like, liver pate, it's not necessarily my favorite thing. And I know some people just won't eat it at all. So I ended up making, um, they're called riettes mm-hmm. or roulettes. They're, it's, you cook down a pork roast right. in fat and you basically cook it down till it like falls apart it's more shredded than a pate but it's still in that ballpark and it's more accessible everyone's going to like it um so i would definitely make sure you're not it there is just i don't know maybe it's me i have a a tendency to want to do things bigger and more different and bolder but that doesn't really work well. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it just doesn't, it works better to just, just stay in a very, in a comfortable lane so that everybody enjoys themselves. Cause it's much more important that people enjoy themselves versus you showing off how well you can cook something fancy. Definitely more important that people. Enjoy Absolutely. Themselves. Oh, I couldn't agree more. 
Yeah, I, I like Elise and I love liver. We like strong spices. We like those mm-hmm. type of things. But gosh, I like if I'm cooking for like especially like my parents, my dad won't go near beets. He won't go near liver. Like two two of Elise and I's mm-hmm. favorite thing. He doesn't <laughs> he likes cheese but doesn't like cheese on things. You know, so like my dad is basically a four year old. He's a four year old mm. child when it comes to eating. Yeah. <laughs> so uh but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he'll shovel he'll shovel sauerkraut into his his mouth like nobody's business. So it's so funny. Like, which I love sauerkraut <laughs> as well. But like, yeah, I guess like really what you're saying is like know your audience. Really is what it is. Um, yeah, we're so mm-hmm. used to. Elise has a ton of food allergies, so like we're used to being like on mm-hmm. point and asking for people. And I know a lot of people that don't ask ahead of time and. Um, Anyway, that surprises me. So that's good. Yeah. Do you ever do that? Do you do you like to ask yes. your yeah? We do you ask your guests ahead of time if they have any? I mean, these are going to be your friends, obviously, but like not everybody knows everybody's allergies. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah, we definitely. Um, even when we'd have big parties, I would say, you know, let me know if you have any food restrictions. Not that that food won't be there, but that I will make sure there's an alternative. Of course. So you know, course, I don't yeah. want someone to come and look and be like. I'm gluten-free and I can eat this carrot. And so I want to make sure that I'm accommodating that everyone has something to eat. Obviously, when it's a dinner party, I, you know, I have a lot of friends who have food restrictions, allergies. They just, um, just preferences, um, whether they're religious or health-based or whatever. And so I'm pretty used to working around that. If anyone has any anaphylactic allergy, those are obviously off the table. So we generally do no peanuts. Um, because enough of our, we've just gotten in the habit of not doing nuts. Um, if we have a party with kids, because a lot of my friends' kids have nut allergies, or at least more than one. So we try to be, we're always mindful of anaphylactic allergies, obviously. If someone has, but if it's a dinner party, then it's definitely catered towards what everyone can eat. Even if that means it's literally meat and vegetables, but that's also very healthy. So it's not the worst thing in the world. So um, one of the parties I invited my friend, her son has epilepsy and he is on a like a true medical ketogenic diet to control his epilepsy. And she more or less sticks to that diet kind of in solidarity, also in just, you know, healthy. She feels better eating that way. So I wanted to serve a bread with the gazpacho. And so I found a recipe to make these keto rolls, mm. and they were actually pretty easy. And so it's using almond right. flour and cheese, basically. <laughs> like hold it all <laughs> Sounds together. Sounds amazing. Yeah. And I made them, and they were totally fine. Yeah, it was. They were like garlic and cheese in them, so they kind of tasted like those um, garlic cheddar biscuits. Oh, Red at, Lobster. Red, Red Lobster. Yeah. The restaurant that has them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, they, they actually kind of tasted like those. They were pretty good, and so. You know, I will accommodate pretty much anything, and that's that's definitely important. The friends that we did the spring party with and who are coming for the fall party don't have really too many things. Like, one of them doesn't eat a lot of dairy just because it upsets our stomach, so we're not going to do a lot of dairy-based or cream-based things. Right. <laughs> that, that, that would be... Uh... That would be fun later on for them. <laughs> um, gosh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like you're drunk. And, and your stomach hurts. Right. You feel this you. is not fun. Well, Charlie, I am starving right now. So 
<laughs> I'm absolutely... I gotta go eat something. Uh, but I... Um... Well, I have to tell you quick, though, that I actually... I'm Before we go, I do want to say that I listened to... Before I was like, oh, I want to come on the show, I listened to an episode, and it ended up being the one about the Jackbox Oh, yeah. Games. Do you want a Jackbox with us? Um, like, that would be amazing. So, well, what... We're actually going to, we're adding that to our dinner party. We have an outdoor screen and a projector. So on Sunday, when our friends are over for dinner, we're going to fire it up. I mean, it's dark at like seven o'clock right. now here. So we're going to fire that up and actually do a Jackbox game at our dinner party. Oh my god! And I've never played before. My husband has, because he's played them like as team uh -huh. builders with his company, but I've never played one before. Oh, you're going to have an absolute so, blast. Like it is- I'm definitely excited to try yeah, it out. It's, it is honestly, it is our, I mean like obviously 2020 brought lots of like regrets and sadness, but like it is one of our biggest things. Like if we could have had this, <laughs> if we could have had Jackbox, I know we could have had mm -hmm. a better time. You're going to have such a good time. I, uh, you'll have to let me know what games you end up choosing. Um, I, I, yeah. Yeah. So my husband owns a ton of them. He bought them on like a steam right. sale or yeah. something. So I told him just pick one that's not, not high pressure because we're all going to be drinking. <laughs> we want to kind of play a game that's kind of like Cards of Against right. Humanities where it's not really a high pressure game, but you're going to have fun. That's what we're Yeah, absolutely. For. Like none of them are specifically like, they, they, honestly, the way that we say that they are, they're just social lubricant. Like winning and losing isn't necessarily like part of the yeah. whole thing. It's to have fun with a group of friends. Like, and so yeah, none of them are high pressure. Most yes. of them are silly. Um, there, like there are usually right okay. and wrong answers, but it's more along the lines of, yeah, like cards against humanity. What do you mean? Those type of things where like, you're just having a good time. Like it's just part of the mm -hmm. whole process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that exactly. sounds like a party. I'm super jealous. Uh, that's good. That sounds um, that yeah. sounds amazing. <laughs> Next time you you ever make it to Kansas City, we'll have you over for a dinner party. That would be oh, fun. Oh, I absolutely. I've I've told Lisa I want to go to all the barbecue meccas. So like Memphis, um, Kansas City. Oh, yes. You know those type of places. Like mm -hmm. I would love to go to those towns. So uh, knowing that that there's a there's a friendly face in Kansas City. That sounds amazing. So that sounds so yeah. great. And likewise, if you ever make it to Southern California, like you, we have plenty of room for yes. honestly your entire family if you bring the whole, even if you bring the entire brood. <laughs> so we have we have plenty of room. Uh, but Charlie has given us the menu to 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 put on a three course dinner party, including including cocktails. And uh, so Elise and I will be taking her advice, and this is going to be a lot of fun. We'll have to plan ahead of time for this. This is uh, uh, so. Uh, it's going to be good work is what it is that fun work. And we will report back to you. Yeah. <laughs> we will report back to you in our response edition after we have, uh, wined and dined, uh, so to speak. Uh, if you have any type of recipes that you like to use, or if you have any other type of ways to entertain or any other type of cocktails that go along with, uh, this season, please, uh, you, you of course can contact us and tell us you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at like to like things. That's the number two. Uh, you can call the like line, which is super cool uh, to be able to leave uh, messages for uh, recipes uh, at 661-279-0130. Uh, or you can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash I like to like things. Now, of course, all of these need to be positive. I don't even need to tell anybody anymore. Um, we just want to hear uh, good, solid, fun feedback. Uh, so Charlie, where can people find you on social media? 
I am on all the things under Crime Lines. So if you just search Crime Lines True Crime or Crime Lines Podcast, you'll find me. I like that. I like the simplicity of that. That always makes me, um, it makes it very easy. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. look it up. <laughs> I know, yeah, just, just you'll find it. You, you'll find it. It's easy. Uh, I can say that from experience that it. it's very easy to find <laughs> you. Uh, but Charlie, thank you so, so, so much. This was a blast. Uh, this is what this is a, such a fun episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. I on. hope you had a good time. And most people don't want to hear all about this, though. This is super. No, fun. and that's what the show's all about. Is that it's um, these type of like fun, smaller, happy things are what actually are going to be what keep us afloat. You know, happy and these small everyday occurrences are what make you know life uh, you know fun and enjoyable in, in some way. Um, it's not always the big things. It's the small things, those day-to-days. Um, but mm-hmm. I will see you all next week when the mission's accomplished. And remember, we can make the world a little brighter, a little friendlier, and a little more enjoyable by liking a few more things. 